The scripture reading for for tonight comes from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord. This is political speech we hear here. Luke makes it clear. The original hearers of Luke's book would have recognized the words that Jesus read as coming from the prophet Isaiah. But they also would have recognized their similarity to the imperial proclamations made at the beginning of an emperor's reign. I will bring good news to the poor. I will proclaim peace to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. The oppressed go free. I give you freedom and security, and I come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. He had them right where he wanted them, all eyes on him. Jesus is reading Isaiah, but he is misquoting him. Well, it is what is called a mixed text. Luke combines two different texts to have Jesus read in this first and most fleshed-out example of his synagogue teaching. All through the Gospel of Luke, Jesus teaches in synagogues. This is what Jesus does. He goes from town to town, speaking in synagogues. That is how he gets his message out. A real on-the-ground, grassroots sort of thing. It was, this was an ex- acceptable way for one such as him to get their message out. You see, he was an itinerant teacher, a traveling rabbi. And you see, what a traveling rabbis do is they travel from town to town, going from synagogue to synagogue, speaking, teaching. And the traveling, traveling rabbi is characterized by having a sort of new message or some new insight on something old. They have an act. They have a bit. They have a sugar stick. They have a stump speech. And if it's good the pe- and the people like it, they will invite the teacher to eat with them. And they will contribute and bless him and with their st- um, statutes and his reputation will grow, and he will gain authority. So this is really the only clear look we get at Jesus' stump speech. 
this is what we can assume is that is the kind of thing that he's saying at the synagogues as he travels from town to town. It is his stump speech, and it is a good one. It is bold. He starts out proclaiming that God has anointed him to bring freedom and release to all. He proclaims the year of the Lord's favor, also called the year of Jubilee, that his audience would recognize this as forgiveness and restoration, restoration of wealth, property, which results in the most important thing for first century folks, and that's the restoration of status. If you had come on hard times and had to sell your land, in the year of Jubilee, you get your land back. If you were really in a bad way and had to sell yourself or your family into slavery, in the year of Jubilee, you are freed. Jesus even broadens the idea of Jubilee to include restoration for those who have lost their position or freedom because of physical handicap. They will be restored. All the oppressed will be restored. Freedom, forgiveness, restoration. He makes this bold pronouncement. He hands back the scroll. He sits down. And then he tells, then the text tells us that all eyes were on him. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. All the eyes were fixed on him. All eyes, the observed of all observers, to be the observed, to finally have them all pay attention, to be looking, to feel the eyes, all eyes on me. If you have something you want to say, and you think you have something revolutionary to proclaim, this is the situation you want to be in. If you were an itinerant preacher or a politician, this is what you want. You have them where you want them. This is also a moment of truth. It is the temptation of the famous or, or the would-be famous, the popular, those that desire the spotlight. It is the temptation to do or say whatever is necessary to keep their eyes on you, to keep them listening to you. And I can tell you, it leads to some quick rationalizations, this temptation, all those eyes. How am I going to do any good if I don't get elected? You'll say anything. How am I going to bring the people along into the new kingdom if they don't follow me? So one is tempted to say things in a way that the people will not be offended. Tempted to leave out the things that might, they might not agree with. Tempted to say things in a way that is easily understandable. If it's too complex and the people have to think about it, then you don't get their immediate support. The real skilled politicians or preachers or business leaders can tell people things they don't want to hear in a way that makes the people like them even more. But this is rare. There are techniques for handling these situations. There are time-tested rules to guide the speaker when you have all the eyes upon you. Care. Care. That is what it is all about. Care and don't care in general. Care specifically about the people you are talking to. Be personal. Be vulnerable. 
Talk about yourself. Tell an anecdote that lets the people know that you are just like them. You know what I mean. If you happen to have a child that has experienced some tragedy, that is a sure thing. Tell them about that. Talk about your mother. That works every time. And once you have told them about the problems that you and they share, tell them who is to blame for them. It is, of course, understood that they are not to blame, that no one in their group is to blame, that it is the other ones that are to blame, the richer ones or the poorer ones, the smarter ones or the less educated ones. It is the ones with the power. It is the ones without any power. It's always the other ones. And do you think for one minute those other ones care about you? No, no, they don't. Where were they, where were they when my baby was sick? When you lost your job, where were those other ones when your safety was being threatened? No, I am not here now, and I am not, I am here now, and I am telling you, I am going to fight for you, and together we are going to stop them. It would appear at first that Jesus knew these techniques, or was perhaps one of the rare ones, because uh, after he read and sat down with all eyes on him, he said, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke, spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. But then things go wrong. They go in the wrong direction. It's, it's in the during the question and answer time, which is always tricky, even for a skilled politician. They said, is this not Joseph's son? He is one of us. We've heard about all the stuff he's done for other folks in other towns. If he did it for them, the other people, for the outsiders, imagine what he is going to do for us, his own people. So they say to him, okay, where... We're with you right, right now, and we want you to do for us what you've been doing for other people. Miracles, healings. Here's the problem. See, in a reversal of conventional wisdom, this is where Jesus goes off script. He tells them that maybe we are doing all right. We are doing fine. It's the other ones, it's them, those who are not us. They are the ones that really need my help, not you. And then he gives examples of how prophets in the past have brought the good news to the enemy, the outsider, the other one. He says, the truth is there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up. For three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent not to one of them, but instead to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. Now this is where he loses the crowd. 
But they don't just stop listening to him. They try to kill him. They bring him to the edge of a cliff, and they try to throw him off. What starts as a political speech and was well-received political speech becomes gospel. Jesus subverts the accepted cultural forms by refusing to name an enemy. He proclaims that the good news is for the other people as well as us. There is something inherent in true speech, in gospel speech, that must include the others. When one hears it with hears it with ears to hear, it causes one to look across the aisle, across town, across the kitchen table, and not just in the mirror at your own, but at theirs too. Watch out when someone tells you what you want to hear. Be careful when someone comes around telling you that the problem with this world, with this country, is that the powers that be are not paying enough attention to you. Yes, of course, the good news includes you, but it also includes the grace to point you toward other people, toward the other, your neighbor. Take another step back. Be doubly wary when they move beyond the implication that the other ones are the problem to explicitly naming the other ones as the problem, the enemy, the evil ones. Jesus refuses to do this, refuses to name an enemy. And in the absence of an enemy, they take the closest one at hand, him. Every politician knows that if you tell people what they don't want to hear, and if you don't provide them with a scapegoat, then the people will pick as their scapegoat you.